Hello and welcome to yet another The Writer's Bookshelf podcast. And once again, I am David Driver. Thank you for your continued download listenership and all your fantastic feedback. And once again, the brilliant Mr. John Hardy providing the um, the theme tune, if you like, Lost for Words. <clears throat> Excuse me, I say it every single podcast podcast every single episode you always seem or i seem to get um a little tickly cough shall we say when i start broadcasting well it's a little bit special i think this edition of the uh, of, of the show is a little bit special and if you would allow me to do so i'll give you a little bit of a of a backstory a, uh, a little story to go with it i going back in september I think it might have been the first Saturday in September or the second. My my memory tells me it's the first Saturday in uh, in September of this year. I um, I was doing a little bit of DJing, if that's the right thing to say. Um, obviously, you know, I write poetry and stories and that sort of thing, and broadcasting. And I was over at Skipton at the fantastic Craven Nursing Home, where my good good lady, Ros Driver, works, and many, many other fantastic people doing a brilliant job. And it was a summer, the summer fair, and I was, asked, I was asked to provide a little bit of music and be the compare with the raffle and that sort of thing. Brilliant, brilliant day indeed. I met some fantastic people, some people I knew, made some new friends. I absolutely loved the day. It was absolutely brilliant. And we had some brilliant laughs. And one, I met, or should I say there's a lady there, who um, who came over to talk to me. And that lady goes by the name of Leslie. Leslie Howarth. So if you are listening now, Leslie, thank you for everything. You know, thanks for you know the conversation we had. And I do hope you enjoy this uh, you know this this broadcast and, and, and this tribute to 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 your family um and, and anyone else any other family members that are uh, that are listening so the backdrop is leslie is the lady i'm talking to she comes over and said yes you know you david the uh, you know rosie's husband yes write poetry and um and that sort of thing and she actually said or went on to say you know i've I've got I've got some poetry. It's not mine. The uh, the poetry was written by her uncle. So there's Leslie Howarth, whose mum is in the nursing home, is a resident at the nursing home, and the man in question, who the man behind the poetry, is Leslie's uncle. Now Francis has. Um, transcribed them who is I hope I've got this right I'm sure I have so Francis is Leslie's mum Francis is Leslie's mum Francis is, is a resident in the nursing home Leslie is the beautiful lady I've been speaking to Leslie Howarth and now I'm just going to bob my mobile phone down because I needed to get that right and Roz sent me all the details so we're now going to move on <clears throat> to a wonderful gentleman who went by the name of Henry um, Wolfenden Demain. Henry Wolfenden Demain. Now, I salute you, sir, and I also salute every single person 
that's not only served in the First World War and Second World War. I salute anyone that has been part of any battle campaign, anyone serving past and present in His Majesty's, or maybe then Her Majesty's, anyone who has served in the armed forces. What a fantastic job. I have not done any sort of national service, any military service, anything like that in, in, in my life. And I've probably reached an age where I'm more, more than likely, you know, probably won't do anything like that. Um, and I think it's easy for people to say, yes, I, you know, would have done my little bit. But I do like to sort of think that. I think, you know, if if, if the duty called, I, I, you know, I like to think I would have been there. Um, but I haven't done had any, haven't done any, or had any active service. So first and foremost, absolutely, a round, a massive round of applause to you, and certainly, you know, thank you for everything that all you brilliant people have done. Okay, so the the subject, the subject of this um, this evening's, or well, not this evening's. The, the, I'm recording this evening. Goodness, how of you? That means you know it's evening. Anyway, whatever time, whatever time you are listening to it, we're going to concentrate on Over the Prison Gate because Over the Prison Gate is a collection of truly beautiful, moving, very of the moment, quite literally of the moment poems. But there's more to that. Let me please share an, an introduction. This is from the book. I've been very careful with the book. Might hear the pages turn, but I am being very, very careful with the book because it's got to go back. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it tells us, this is the information I have. Henry Wolfenden Domain, 1919-1980. It goes on to say, These poems were written by Harry when he was a prisoner of war for four years in Germany, from 1941 to 1945. And that, for me, is key. I'm writing poetry. I know many, many other people that are writing poetry in, well, let's face it, in our own time. Lovely, beautiful, loving, loving, relaxed circumstances and surroundings. So I'll just share that with you again. These poems were written by a prisoner of war from 1941 to 1945. So just for a moment, think about that. He was aged 21 when he was captured and was repatriated just before his 26th birthday. They were written they were written on any available scrap of paper and despite the conditions in which he was held captive he managed to keep them safe after the war he copied them into a notebook from which this version has been transcribed most of them were written in the last two years of the war when he felt the urge to tell the story for all. These poems put into words the deep feelings of any such prisoner and show the philosophical way he had for thinking over the prison gate, which helped to make his enforced ordeal more bearable. Absolutely, you know, 
what I can't say anything more. I can't add anything to that. 1941 to 1945, and I'm sure there's people out there listening, and people have got you know memories or you know mums, dads, aunties, uncles, relations that have suffered. So I think you know we. we I've already said it. We do owe we owe people a um, a massive, a massive, massive thank you. So what I'm going to do now is. Um, I'm just going to work through the book, as I always say when I um, when I share people's poems. Quite obviously, the poems are not mine, and each, I'll try my best to do to do them justice um, and read them out how I how I how I think you know they should be read, um, and we'll just take it from there. <clears throat> so the first one in the book goes by the power of the mind and um yeah okay I'll, I'll just work my way i'll just work my way um through them oh happy the man with a mind so free it can fly with the birds or swim in the sea he'll never be lonely or full of care for the simple reason he is not there. The body may languish in doleful state, but the mind can soar o'er the prison gate and fly with the clouds o'er earth and flood, avoiding the evil and finding the good. Our clay is prone to anguish and pain, but the spirit escapes as free as the rain. It breaks the clouds that loom about, keeping the warmth and sunshine out. So, whenever the future seems dark and drear, lift up your heart and have no fear, for a spirit bold surmounts all strife. Ensuring its owner a happy life. Beautiful, beautiful words indeed. And just going over that when it's saying, you know, when the when the when the future. So whenever the future seems so dark, I don't think, and I hope I'm okay saying this. I don't think that it could have got sort of any darker in these circumstances. Now there is no date on that one. <clears throat> But at the bottom of of most of the poems are dates of when when the poem was was uh, penned. Now this next one goes by the title of "Friends of My Youth," um, and this was this has this has a date of um, December twenty seventh, December the twenty seventh, nineteen forty four. So quite obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, quite obviously, you know. At the very end, or, or towards nearing the end of of the um, of the Second World War, and you don't have to tell me. You know, we just have to Boxing Day, um, and obviously this is going out in October. We're not a, a million miles away from Christmas or Christmas Day, and obviously Boxing Day, twenty twenty three. Um, but this is nineteen. This is nineteen forty four. 
um, you know, just shy of nearly 80, 80 years ago, um, uh, just about nearly. And, um, you know, what, what's going through people's minds uh, as a, a prisoner of war on uh, December the 27th. So, friends of my youth, gone are the friends of my childhood days. Gone are my pals on their several ways, some to glory and honour and fame. Some are wounded and halt and lame. Some are dead. Little we thought in our years at school. Little we cared, but played the fool. Life was the gamut of frolic and fun. Life was a game that had to be won, not drawn or lost. As youth was passing in pageant gay, as boy to full-grown man gave way. War, with its horror and fiery breath, War with its sorrow and sudden death swooped from the skies. We answered the call in freedom's name. We tempted fortune, that fickle dame. She favoured the few, though all were brave. She forsook the others, and so they gave their lives for us. In years ahead, in times of peace, in days of plenty, till life shall cease, I remember those friends I knew. I shall honour their names, and so shall you. Friends of my youth. What an absolute powerful poem that is and when I say people can relate to it I don't mean under these horrific circumstances I think what I'm thinking there and possibly some of you are is you know mentioning about growing up and playing the fool in the school grounds and and nowadays or even when I was at school might be saying, shall I be a, an astronaut? Shall I be a footballer? Shall I be a plumber? Shall I be a writer? Shall I go to university? And all these wonderful things that people have and and, and think about all, you know, nice childhood um, and then a prisoner of war and the 20, 27th of December, um, Christmas Day, Boxing Day and probably not a great deal of celebration I, I don't know I can't really comment on that but um you know mind and, and and this wonderful gentleman is is only in his 20s and when you look back not not really so old um you know when you when you're 25 26 years of age and we're thinking of better times and friends and quite we know in all these lives lost people dead um Okay, we're gonna move on to March nineteen forty-five now, um, and this one <clears throat> goes by the title of "Have you ever have you ever been in hell?" Goodness me, have you ever 
Have you ever been in hell, sweating gouts of blood with your stomach tidy knots for want of food? A mouth that's full of dust, a tongue like tasteless leather, eyes shut with crimson at the end of your tether. I have. Have you ever seen men shot to shreds by high explosive shells? Nothing left but mangled flesh and purple blood that wells from out the once confining frame into the thirsty earth who greedily laps the very life to which she once gave birth. I have. Have you ever seen a man praying that he might die, looking at a comrade with agony of eye, mutely begging him to end that body-racking pain, and smiling thanks to him who puts a bullet into his brain. I have. Have you ever felt forgotten by family, friends and God, without a hope, no lust for life, nothing but a clod, that cares not if he lives or dies, but merely carries on, when nothing matters any more except oblivion. I have. Have you known such things as these, and your reason has not strayed? There is nothing in the universe of which to be afraid. You have plumbed the depths of misery, drunk the devil's brew, and if that is not everything, what more is there to do? I wish I knew. Goodness me, what that is possibly, that is probably one, possibly one of the most sort of powerful and thought-provoking poems I've ever, I have ever read. Have you ever been in hell? Yes, okay. This next one, April um, 1945, so a month later. That one was written in March, yes, so <clears throat> approximately a month later. Um, Ode to Britain. Bomb-battered Britain, cradle of the brave, citadel of freedom, surrounded by the wave, untrodden by victorious foe, for nigh one thousand years, proudly flaunt your battle scars, dry away your tears, and shout from the mountain tops that Britain still prevails through stubborn bulldog courage that will never fail. Bomb-blasted Britain, mistress of the seas, extol your valiant sailors, thank them on your knees. 
for sweeping o'er the oceans wide, red with British gore, bringing stores and foodstuff to your beleaguered shore, never faltering in their task, though weary unto death, do not forget the debt you owe as long as you draw breath. Bomb battered Britain, thank your army too, the men who died on foreign soil in defence of you. The immortal Tommy Atkins crumbling, grumbling all the while, yet going through fire and water, emerging with a smile and cheerful at the gates of hell, the roaring cannons mow. Those gallant men in khaki, forever on the go. Bomb-battered Britain, ruler of the skies, see those airborne heroes pass before your eyes. Those modern knights in armour, jousting in the blue, tempting temperamental fate to Britain ever true. Their names are writ upon the clouds in letters golden bright, a monument to gallantry and Britain's epic fight. May future generations their praises ever sing, the men who fought for freedom, Britain and their king. Okay, this next one is This Is Worth Fighting For, and a date at the bottom says this is was this was penned on the 16th of November 1944. Um, this is this is worth fighting for. Many glib idealists after the First World War said they would make our England much better than before. A country fit for heroes, worthy of their name. But they forgot their promise and earned eternal shame. For when the first flush fell away and public interest died, the original intentions were shelved and put aside. Britain committed suicide and settled down to rot through trusting politicians who did not care a jot. So now the chance has come again, so do not lag behind. Keep that one ambition forever in your mind to make the land you fought for the finest place on earth where poverty and sorrow bow to happiness and mirth. Where you can have your self-respect and earn a living wage and have enough to keep a wife when you are marrying age with special grants for children who are the guarantee for your country in the future will be all she ought to be. And when you're past the prime of life 
in autumn of your years, you will have no need to worry or harbour any fears. For Britain shall be grateful, proud to call you son, and see you live in comfort as reward for work well done. So you must bring these things to pass by being social-minded, attending to your government, seeing you are not blinded, and led from off the upward path by those who stand to gain, or else you will find yourself outside, standing in the rain. This next one, Dreams. October the 30th, 1944. Goodness me. It's nearly, well, we're not so far off that date. Well, October the 30th, as I as I record. Um, dreams. <clears throat> when you feel warm and tranquil, uh, excuse me. When you feel warm and tranquil, and your thoughts begin to stray, you will find that you are wandering in a country far away, where everything is peaceful and wears slumberous air, offering weary travellers a shelter from their care. There the trees are friendly, and they call a welcome shade, and pools of dancing sunlight fills the cool green leafy glade. You will hear the bleating of the sheep from pastures on the hill, and, softly floating on the breeze, the murmur of a rill. The silence only broken by the singing of the birds, or, from a distance, distant valley, the lowing of the herds. All nature dwells in harmony and weaves a magic spell that charms away your sorrows to the notes of Phil O'Mel. And when your mind has sojourned there, if only for a while, you will come to reality and face it with a smile. Despite the sceptic's attitude that dreaming is in vain, it satisfies your ego and calms the troubled brain. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant stuff. we we'll move on to December the 15th. <clears throat> excuse me, 1944. So we're round about Christmas time again. And quite obviously, again, Christmas time conjures up so many wonderful memories for all of us. But how have we got there through you know things like the first world war second world war and you know it's it's people losing their lives for um for uh you know for freedom um anyway misdirected zeal the king sat on his golden throne in regal slumber all alone except for a page of tender years who were chasing flies from the royal ears. Waving his fan from left to right, he struck a big one with all his might. 
His aim was banned in the fly rose and settled on the royal nose. The king slept on with gutsy snores, rustling the silk and rattled the doors. The foolhardy fly was caught in the breeze, being sucked and blown with the greatest of ease. The page, with fascinated eye, followed the course of the helpless fly, watching it drawn to the nostril's blink brink, whisked away in the space of a think. And then he made his full decision, and the fly, when the fly was in position, he smote it with, with gusto and precision, consigning the culprit to, to perdition. Then the king awoke with a frenzied start, upsetting the royal apple cart. He raged and stormed, rubbed his nose, getting dead fly off the royal paws. He called the captain of the guard, had page boy whipped round the palace yard. So those with intention of doing good, make sure your aims aren't misunderstood. Though you don't damage the royal nose, you might be treading on someone's toes. Brilliant. I absolutely love it. Okay. November the 17th, 1944. This one is the fallacy of freedom. The heart of the hen-pecked husband was high for his mother-in-law had chanced to die. His wife had gone, dressed all in black, to comfort her father, who would not be back for nigh on close a week. It was the very first time in 20 years he'd been freed from the yokes. So giving three cheers, down to the local pub he went, full of joy and firm intent of getting truly sozzled. He entered the bar and greeted the maid, who gazed at the renegade, then served him a double scotch and splash, forgetting him wonder to take the cash, whilst he drained the potent spirit. At the f as the first went down, at the kick of a mule, he said to himself, I'm nobody's fool, and straight away ordered another couple, keeping his wrist and elbow supple, by stroking his Adam's apple. Then his eyes blurred and the room went round, his head was filled with a buzzing sound, and the floor came up with a vicious smack, knocking the culprit flat on his back, dead to the world. He was taken home and put to bed with a pack of ice on his aching head. He vowed to himself no more he'd roam, but would keep the fires burning at home and stick to China tea. The moral of this is plain to see. If you let a domestic if you met if you let a domestic animal free, 
how unfitting he is to face a life beset by pitfalls and vicious strife where only the strong survive. What an absolutely fantastic poem that is. And what I'm thinking there is, yes, it's a story and yes, the real moral to it. But what sheer brilliance, imagination, strong-willed love, everything going on to be a prisoner of war and to actually pen something like that. You know, I've said it already, we could be at home, you could be at, we could now, I could now go and, and have a pint. Many of you listening can go have a pint whenever you want. And you write, you know, in my mind, I would pen something similar vein, a jokey poem. I'm feeling in a good mood, feeling happy. Oh, remember this, remember that. Let's tell a tale of someone, you know, a little bit henpecked or going out for a drink, getting drunk and all this crazy stuff, but never as a prisoner of war. And that's what I want, us, want you guys, you everyone out there listening to think about. So you're a prisoner of war and you're thinking in your mind, having a laugh, a little joke in your own, in your own mind. Fantastic. Okay. Um, childish imagination. Um, this was also November 1944. Right, okay, this is day after. So we've just, we've penned. What's happened here is Henry has written the poem, um, he's penned the poem, The Fallacy of Freedom, on November the 17th. And on November the 18th, 1944, childish imagination. Um, so quite obviously the day after. Oft as a child in a bed, deep blanketed in gloom, with deep apprehension, I gaze around the room, where, in imagination, there lurked in every nook a bandit or an outlaw from some thrilling storybook. There, suddenly, from out of the shade, with grinning teeth and scarlet head, a pirate thrusts his gleaming blade from all the bottom of the bed. And with a muffled shriek of fear, I dive beneath the sheet, expecting in my frenzy to hear his following feet. But soon regaining courage, I peep around again, and then my couch of slumber was a, a roaring, Westbound train, attacked by hordes of Indians, arrayed in warlike hue, whom all alone I vanquished, and bring the flyer through. Now yet again a buccaneer upon the Spanish main, attacking mighty galleons, homeward bound for Spain. Standing on the lofty poop, my rapier gleaming bright, to lead a boarding party in my thickest of the fight. But then there comes a time for sleep, and, closing fast at my eyes, I think of something peaceful, such as angels in the skies, singing softly from the clouds to thrum of heavenly strings. And thus I float to slumber, land on softly feathered 
wings. Just absolutely amazing. So, it, I mean, my mind, the 17th and the 18th, um, the mind is a beautiful thing indeed. So where's where's Henry's mind? It's, we're, we're joking in the pub and we've come right back to childish imagination, to, you know, cowboys, Indians, trains, buccaneers, that sort of thing. And then we go, in the last verse, we go back to um, we go back to angels and heavenly um, heavenly strings and feathered wings. So it's, I, I think these poems are giving um, you know quite obviously a, um, a an insight into um, into where Henry's thoughts and mind were. Um, I've always said this. Um, so regardless of this uh, of this particular episode. Poetry, as many of you know, um, it's driven by emotion. But poetry, I often say, you know, poetry is of the moment, and quite literally, this is this is what's happening with these poems. Um, it's emotions, feelings, you know, your surroundings, and obviously, some of the poems are, um, you know, very, very sort of well, they're all powerful poems, and the dark poems are hard hitting poems. You know, but childish imagination and the fallacy of freedom is is you know for me it's about putting your mind somewhere else to a better a better place. So it's it is it's fantastic. Um, November the eleventh, nineteen forty four. Um, love is ever present. Um, so let's see what this one sounds like. Okay, I stand and. I stand, I do apologise, I stood and laid the sun to rest in, in, in roseate splendour edged with gold and gazed out there into the west towards my home and friends of old. The miles away my loved ones are, that fiery chariot travelling high shines on them all and bears afar my wandering spirit through the sky that happy thought made me rejoice and when I saw the sun again I seemed to hear my mother's voice with sweet encouragement freeing my soul from pain goodness me what a powerful poem that is Love is ever present, and you know where's Henry now? I'm, you know, thinking it's his. The words say it all, reaching out, and that last line with sweet encouragement, freeing my soul from pain. Um, yeah, it's um, in mind, mind's wondering. So we're there. We've gone from the eleventh of, um, eleventh of November, love is ever present. Thinking about mum, and reaching out to family, um, and and it's possible when you when you have thoughts like that we're going back to um we're going back to childish imagination and reading books as a young child um because in the other ones in in one of the previous poems which i've i'll just remind us of that um friends of my youth so henry's thinking about friends of youth in in friends of youth is obviously you know um prison of war and he's he's been in battle and going back to childhood of would we ever think about this would happen in a playground um love is ever present 
reaching out to mum, dad, that sort of thing, which is quite obvious what you would do. Um, and then just about five, six days later, childish imagination, thinking about cowboys and Indians and um, and and trains, and that that's where your mind can uh, can take you. Um, so this next one is 1945, so we've got winter the new year, um, January the, the 15th, um, the moon. Now stately the moon, so silvery bright, sailing the oceans of the night. The darkest depths are swept aside, wherever her shining bark doth glide. Putting the countless stars to flight, shaming their flickering, feeble light. She drifts along with haughty mien, befitting the, the planetary queen. The sleeping earth, warm wrapped in snow, reflects a pale ethereal glow, and frigid trees with Upthrust arms, sparkling gleam with lunar charms. The rippling rill which now lies still, locked in the shackles of winter chill, gleams like a pathway of silver and gold, of shooting her glamour from every fold. As fading night gives way to day, the weary moon prolongs her stay. Pale with fatigue at the end of her run, awaiting her king, her consort, the sun. Goodness me. Okay. What I'm going to do is... Um, okay, there's a few more that I am going to uh, to share with you. Um Okay, I'm, I'm going to share this one, and this is November the 6th, 1944. So, actually, this one is just been talking about reaching out, mum, um, going back to childhood. So, just prior to that, three or four days before that, <clears throat> I'm thinking about snobbery. Um, to flaunt your social standing and twit the common herd invites retaliation and deserves to get the bird that circumstance has blessed you and given you all the breaks it is not just because you hold your nose at others one's mistakes how to drink your turtle soup or use a knife and fork how to hold a wine glass or remove a champagne cork Although they seem imperative to hold your social sway, what have you left to flourish when the guilt has worn away? All is not gold that glisters. You'll find to your distress, and in your estimation you will go down to less and less. And cure your and curse yourself for being a fool in seeking reputation by standing on a pedestal and tempting condemnation. Yes, we're getting a picture now, snobbery, which speaks volumes, and then going out 
reaching out to mum. Um, and okay, I'd say we will finish on. Okay, well, I'll finish on this on this one here. Um, September nineteen forty four, Spirit of Victory. Um, September nineteen forty four, after liberation of France. So you know the history. Um, and France is obviously is quite obviously liberated. <clears throat> So let's just see what Henry has to say. Across the European plains, the conquering armies thrust, where youth and death march hand in hand, close comrades in the dust. The surge, the roar of battle sounds, above the autumn breeze, which brings the scent of harvest and rustling of the trees for five long years our stand we made beset from every side but now the tide of battle turns and onward as we stride no thought is given to who shall die and each one in his mind is thinking of the future not that which lies behind. Relentless as an ocean wave, fine-tempered, full of fire, the flower of allied chivalry ploughs on through blood and mire. With youthful dreams of mighty deeds that bring eternal fame, and living now that glorious hour, they never can reclaim though many flowers shall be shall cease to breathe destroyed in brilliant bloom they would not have us mourn them nor live our life in gloom would bid us laugh and love and sing enjoy the fruit they gave but keep a grateful memory of those who died to save. Well, thank you, Henry Wolfenden Domain. Again, I salute you, sir, as a, um, obviously, as a man who has served in the Second World War, survived his, um, survived ordeals and atrocities as a prisoner of war and also a wonderful fantastic poet and but he haven't penned them under you know dare i say normal civilized relaxed kind loving surroundings he penned them whilst a prisoner of war beautiful beautiful words indeed so to all the family leslie and all the family thank you leslie for the um thanks for we had we did have a few laughs and we talk at the uh at the summer fair so thank you for that thank you for coming to see me and and once again thank you you know to all to all the family i've really been um been an honor to read out and share those poems with them 
with with everybody that's obviously downloaded and listened to the podcast. And I do hope that I have um I do hope I've done the poetry some uh, a little bit of of uh, of justice. So once again, thanks you know thanks for listening and and thanks thanks for being part of 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 what I do, um, sharing poetry, stories, written word, and and giving people a um, a platform. So all I can say is, if you've liked what you've been listening to, then you might want to take a look at some of the other podcasts. And if you want to get, if you want to be part of the show or know someone that might want to be a guest on the show, or you might have someone who has something interesting to share, if you think it fits in with the writer's bookshelf, then get in touch. And all I say is, if you want to, f- want to find out a little bit more about me, then go to my website, which is daviddriverauthor.com. So www.daviddriverauthor.com. Or you may want to find me on uh, on Facebook. And that is also on uh, that also is under David Driver Author. If you go to the website and guide your way around, click on contact details and you can get in touch. It's been absolutely brilliant. I've really loved that episode. So hopefully you will tune in or download the podcast next time round. And I often say, I'd always say John Hardy, um John Hardy with, with the with the theme tune, um, Lost for Words. Well, tonight we haven't been lost for words because they are, as I said, that is some of the best and moving poetry I've had the pleasure of reading. So all take care, all of you, keep the love, keep writing poetry, keep writing short stories and get in touch if you want to do. So that just leaves me to say take care and hopefully i'll be uh, well i'll be sharing a, another podcast with you soon goodbye for now